0: From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number fifty nine. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at lynda.com, stamps.com, go to meeting, and PDF pen seven from Smile. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Jason, we will see each other in just a matter of days. It's just a few days away now. Yep. Uh
1: in, in, in just over I would say probably in about not forty eight hours, but Fifty-eight hours, yeah. we will be in the same place.
0: We yeah. Sure, well, we're gonna be we're both going to be in the at the release notes conference. Yeah, we're not going to be recording Upgrade live this time, but I think we no. are going to be doing Clockwise, maybe.
1: Right, Clockwise. We'll we'll do a Clockwise episode that live from Release Notes, probably probably thursday since you're giving the keynote on wednesday and we'll be your mind will be blown um maybe thursday but we will we will do a live clockwise um but not a live upgrade this time we'll be back here in uh i think ne- i think next tuesday we'll be late by a day because of travel but i think we'll be back here next week in our respective chairs
0: yeah but uh yeah it's gonna be nice uh, to go yeah. to the release notes and i'm looking forward to speaking I'm going
1: because it sounds like a good conference, and I'm somebody who's got an independent business now, so I'm actually interested in the business focus of that conference. But I'm also going because the list of people who will be there, including you and Stephen, uh, it's a, like a little impromptu relay meetup, and mm-hmm. that's it's nice to, to see you guys in person. So Yeah, we have fun. Yeah, and, and in fact, one of our listeners will be there, too, I know, uh, who's attending the conference. Our, our friend from Cincinnati who plays golf. So um, I'm looking forward to some some uh, listener meets, too. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: looking forward to it. I I believe there is quite a few listeners that are going to be there, so it's going to be fun. Cool. We should just follow up. Um, Christian wrote in. So last week we were talking about the speed of Touch ID a little bit and how it feels a bit yeah. more uh, – it just feels better to use. It's faster to use, that kind of thing. Christian wrote in, he's a runner. And actually, he's found that even after post-run, when he's all sweaty and he has sweaty hands and fingers, uh, Touch ID 2 is working for him, which I thought was really interesting. And I wanted to see if you had any thoughts. Do you think that Apple have any of these use cases in mind when they do this kind of stuff?
1: Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, they they certainly are aware that what the wet finger thing was a problem, right? Because there's nothing worse than having the slightly, you know, slightly damp finger and you can't unlock your phone. So I'm sure that was something that they were thinking about. I don't know whether they tried to solve the wet finger problem or whether they were just saying we can make this thing read better and faster. And we've learned a lot in the last year of building touch ID and we can do a better job the the next time. Um, But I, I, I can't. If you're in charge of Touch ID, how can one of the things on your list not be the the, the wet finger problem? It's got to be.
0: Mm-hmm. And also, you know, like the exercise thing in general, like the sweat side is, is interesting because of how much Apple like push on the exercise and stuff. Now the Apple Watch is around, you know, so right. It's, it's good that it works. Uh, the uh, so, so one of the things that we uh, uh, also got
1: feedback, we, we were talking about how do you do Apple Pay? If it reads your finger too fast and uh, lots of people wrote in to say, it's very simple. You put your finger on the home button, but don't push it in. And then with your finger on the home button, you double click the home button and Apple pay slides out and you use Apple pay. So that's the gesture there is, you know, if you, if you put your finger on and press down, um, it's going to unlock. But if you put your finger on and then go tap, tap, it, uh, it goes to Apple pay. So, good tip, pro tip, there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it, I still find it, it ends up unlocking the phone for me, but uh, but yeah, hmm. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing.
1: It works for me. I think you need to be faster. Mm-hmm. I mean, you. You need faster fingers to do that. But if you if
0: you just rest it on there and then go, doot, doot, totally works for for me anyway. Well, There you go. Uh, obviously we spoke about the magic devices last week. Um, and I wanted to just address a little bit more of that now that obviously we know more information I know more information about them anyway, and I don't because I don't think we really spoke about the pricing. I don't know if you knew what the pricing was gonna be. Uh yeah
1: uh, so I uh, let's see, I think I knew but I didn't it wasn't on the spec sheet, and they mentioned it in the briefing, and I wasn't a hundred percent sure that it was what I had down was right, so I just decided to wait until they release them and then could mention at that point what they cost. So when we talked, I didn't want to say it and get it wrong.
0: Yeah, so it turns out that Oh yeah. Magic Mouse 2 <laughs> is $79. The Magic Keyboard 2 is 99 and the Magic Trackpad is $129, which is expensive. Yeah really like the the trackpad is super expensive and it makes me think like if that's how much it costs or if that's how much it costs and you need those margins should you do it uh
1: well i mean if you're apple uh, here's here's the thing uh they're going to include this in in their existing devices uh, so like the iMac, but uh, you know the Mac Pro comes with input devices too. So the, the, it's going to be the thing that that's included with iMacs, basically. Um, and if you want to buy it as a, as a separate thing, yeah, they're going to charge you a lot for it. There are other options. I think that I think that this is Apple being Apple and saying, um, you want something cheaper? Go buy something cheaper. This is the you know we don't make we don't make the cheaper thing. We make the 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 top of the line thing. And and I understand that. I I you know I think these prices are a little surprising. Um, at the same time, our, a lot of people are going to buy the Magic Trackpad too, even even at one hundred twenty nine dollars. So, you know, that's that's the story of Apple, right? Is that, a, that you look at the prices and you are like, wow, that's you know, it's good, but it's also a little bit pricey. And then they then they sell a lot of them. So I am a little surprised. I think there is a lot of tech in that trackpad, especially uh, the ninety nine dollars keyboard. You know, there are a lot of keyboards that are expensive. That 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 doesn't seem too unreasonable and if if there's a big glass trackpad out there that costs a lot less than that i'd like to know about it i i suspect that you know this is this is a high price but for the tech not an unreasonable price and uh nobody's making you buy it i mean i I think that's the thing is that if this was a must-have but then it would be different but it's you know if you want the full-on apple glass trackpad experience on a a system like a you know like an iMac um this is this is what it costs. And if you'd rather just have a mouse or a trackpad or something you you or a trackball or whatever, you just buy that from a third party if you want to if you're not satisfied with with uh, with the prices that Apple provides. So it, it is interesting there' you know uh, sometimes Apple makes products that are a little aspirational they're they're higher tech than all the other products out there on the market, and that's purposeful, but they're also higher priced. and that's definitely happening here.
0: And then, of course, we have the charging port on the bottom of the mouse, right? So when you're charging it, it makes it unusable, and a lot of people have been very upset about that this week, um, citing it as a uh, a sign of poor Apple design, the uh, the death of Johnny Ive, and the, you know the, the 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 upsetting of Steve Jobs' ghost. What do you think about this? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad
1: that I my my interest in mice is so low that I I made the tactical decision of reviewing quote-unquote the mouse in my as a footnote in my trackpad review where i said yep there's a mouse (laughs) because i just kind of don't care about mice i don't understand them the fact that it doesn't it doesn't have pressure sensitivity so it doesn't do force touch um i I, you know what's new about it It, they uh, there's a whole uh lavish uh, article on medium by Stephen levy about the amazing Uh, design decisions that went into making this mouse and they changed the material that the feet of the feet and all this stuff and is it clicky enough and things like that and that's you know it's fine it doesn't interest me at all Um, but it is a little fascinating that for whatever reason they just decided uh, it was okay to put the charger on the bottom and not try to engineer it for the to put the charger on the back so that you could use it wired and um, I think it's a fair point to say that the other devices are engineered so that you can use them while they're charging, but the mouse isn't. And why is that? And there probably was a trade-off um, that they the, in the design process. I'm sure that they had this argument. I think people who um, suggest that Apple doesn't consider all this stuff... Uh, which happens all the time on the internet, Uh, that it's foolish, of course they considered it. And there was obviously an argument about it. And I think at some point what happened was somebody said, look, the chances that people need to use this wired are almost zero. Nobody needs to use this mouse wired. And by moving it here um we get this other thing in our design it makes this is the thing that's keeping it from being clicky this is the thing that's that's keeping it from being lighter or whatever they prioritized and we can say um, you could very much argue maybe that's the wrong priority, but I'm sure that was the argument and then the, the the third part of the argument was probably if you look if you plug this in for 30 seconds, you can use it for until lunchtime so it's not that big a deal. Um, you're not gonna you're not gonna stop doing your job because your mouse ran out of battery and we're gonna have software to give you a warning saying you should charge it tonight because it'll run out of battery tomorrow and that's good enough and uh, so that that argument about putting it on the back and redesigning all of the other hardware, um, of the mouse around it so that they could charge it on the back rather than having kind of a, you know, the whole thing on the back kind of floating as part of the mouse. Um, that won the day obviously. And you know, they, that, you know, and, and the fact is that if they had engineered it the other way, people might've said this is too big or it doesn't click well or whatever. But, um, uh, we'll we'll never know. But I'm sure they had that argument internally. And uh, this is the result, which is, yeah, you can't use it when it's uh, plugged in because the plug-in's on the bottom and uh, it does fast charge. So if you plug it in for a minute, you can use it the rest of the day, basically,
0: and then charge it overnight. Yep. And I guess that makes sense, right? Like, you know, the, the fast charging thing. It's like, well, there's your trade off. Like, you know, it's like the idea of we want to, we don't want to hide the lightning port. We want to put it down here. Okay. What can we do? Well, we can do this. Fine. That's a balance. Like, that's how I imagine that kind of, that, that design went through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to, there are trade offs, right? And and if you think about the way that the, the mouse is designed, um, I, I don't, I don't feel like there's a really obvious thing at the, at the, at the head of that mouse, at the, at the top of that mouse where, um, well, why didn't they just put it right here? I mean, they, it would have been a very different hardware design if they'd put it there. And, and at some point they decided it just wasn't worth the trade-offs that they were willing to make to put it there for something that uh, there's a very narrow use. And like, basically, they're saying, look, if you want a wired mouse, go buy a wired mouse. We're not making it. And uh, and then secondarily, if you uh, are worried about charging it, don't be because you're going to get a battery warning like three days before it runs out of battery and you need to charge it for 30 seconds uh, in order to use it until your lunch break or until you go home. And, uh, you know, I think those are perfectly fine arguments. Um, I don't think it's a requirement that you be able to plug in a mouse and use it simultaneously. But I see the point that Apple opens themselves up for this sort of criticism. I You know, I, I see it. Um, and in fact, I think what I would say is, you know, the PR spin on this was, well, it charges on the bottom, but you can charge it really fast. That was the PR spin. And, you know, maybe, maybe in Stephen Levy's article, which didn't have this in so far as I can tell, maybe somewhere Apple should have said, here's why it's on the bottom. Here's the decision we made and why. And they didn't. And um, I know that, you know, one PR school of thought is... Don't ever open yourself up for criticism. Don't call attention to something like this. But it would be interesting to see how this would go if they said, yeah, it's on the bottom, but nobody's going to care. And what you get for it being on the bottom is whatever the answer is there. Uh, but they didn't certainly didn't forget. And go, Oh, geez, where do we put the lightning port? Uh, I guess it's got to be on the bottom now. <laughs> that didn't happen. But sometimes you read Twitter and you feel like people are like, ah, we got you, you forgot this. Nope, they didn't forget it. They just made a decision that... Open themselves up to this, and and uh, sort of surprisingly, they didn't have a didn't have a story beyond just well, you can charge it fast, so it doesn't matter.
0: But as you did briefly mention, like this is their own doing, like the the way that Apple always position themselves as sweating every detail and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff ends up in a scenario where they open themselves up to this type of criticism and. Right. So you almost need to blunt it,
1: right? You almost need yeah. to say, here's why we sweated this detail because this mouse is appreciably better because we moved it, moved the plug to the bottom and tell that story. And it may or may not be true. It's spin, of course, but it's interesting that I don't think we've heard that story. And that opens... That, that along with their track record, opens them up to that kind of criticism. Totally. Yep.
0: So um, you also did some testing with the Magic Trackpad 2 on some other Macs rather than the iMac. <laughs> I did.
1: Um one of the interesting things about the Magic Trackpad 2 unlike the mouse and the keyboard is that it says that it requires a uh uh Bluetooth 4 mac which are not that doesn't go back that far actually. That that's two or 3 years in most models. Um the old the old cheese grater um uh, Mac Pros don't support it. Um lots of lots of older systems don't support it. And so this is one of those things where people were saying, "Oh, I really want it for my older iMac, but my older iMac doesn't have Bluetooth 4." And so I did try this. I don't know. I, I've heard conflicting reports about whether somebody who uses like a U2 or a, a USB dongle like that does Bluetooth 4, uh whether that would work or not. I've heard, you know, some people can get stuff to work with that and other people can't. Um I have in my house, I used to have the you know the access to the, the Macworld Lab, which uh, when I was working in Macworld, we had like so many old computers. Oh my God. And, um, uh, but now I don't. I have access to my house. And so um, I have a 2009 iMac that is on my daughter's desk. I have a 2009 MacBook Pro that is um, in my uh, it's right behind my desk here. Um I've got a I've got a uh 2010 I think. No, 2011 MacBook Air. Anyway, I did I did try it on the MacBook Pro and the iMac. So the iMac I plugged it in and it didn't work. I think maybe the cursor moved, maybe not even that. But it was running uh Yosemite. So then I upgraded it to uh, El Capitan and then it worked. I huh. plugged it in Thinking well it, it's not going to work with Bluetooth, but what if if you plug the keyboard and the trackpad in, they'll work over USB. You can turn off your Bluetooth and they still work, which is cool. Um, so they, they are wired in a way that the mouse is not. totally fair point. Um, so that worked and I was like, all right, it worked worked uh, with uh, force touch. the whole thing worked. That's pretty cool. Um, and then I unplugged the cable and it still worked. And I don't, I have no explanation for this. It's, it still worked. Maybe um, it just
0: like became friends and didn't want to leave. It did not know? want to
1: leave with the, whatever the incompatible, and it may be that the Bluetooth uh because it's not bluetooth le maybe the the battery gets uh run down faster it may be that there's some sort of like sleep mode that that kicks in at some point and disconnects that uh, makes it a really bad experience i heard from somebody who tried on an older mac to use it and they said that it worked for a little while and then it stopped working and they couldn't get it to work again and it may be that this uh you know it, since it's not supported there may be bugs that one of the reasons it may not be supported is that they couldn't get it to work to to apple satisfaction and so they just uh they just uh said nope it's not supported um but uh what i what i've been saying and oh when i, and when I tried on the macbook pro it was similar it, it worked as a trackpad uh but uh, without el capitan that's all it that's all it did was it, it did a single click it wouldn't even do a two finger click so it was seeing it as a pointing device um but not as uh as as a trackpad essentially not as anything more than just sort of moving a cursor around and clicking uh but on that 2009 iMac Um, It was working to its full capabilities, gestures, force touch, the works when you're running El Capitan. So, uh, you know, the short version of this is if you've got an older Mac that doesn't appear to be compatible with a Magic Trackpad 2, but you really want a Magic Trackpad 2, I would recommend ordering one and seeing if it works. And if it doesn't work, send it back. But it might work. That's all I can really say is it might work. It might not work. And I don't have anything comprehensive to say because I've only tried it on two systems. But if you're running El Capitan and you plug it in, it might very well work. So and it might even work unplugged. But certainly you know, I think you've got a decent chance of it working if you keep it plugged in via USB. So if you want to give it a shot, um give it a shot. Um and and, and you'll find out. It also seems like the Bluetooth powers down when it's plugged in and it runs over the cable the data is over the cable so even you know even if you left bluetooth on i think maybe it would still work on usb mode and i heard from somebody who said that they were um they were rf sensitive they were sensitive to radio frequencies which um you know it, it, i think they would you know they're not broadcasting when they're plugged in but i don't know that for sure so that's all i know but it's an expensive thing to just try out <laughs> i guess you could return well- it well you need to return it. That's it. I mean, it needs to be something that you are able to return, right? So you know, whatever check wherever you buy it. If you're going to try this out, make sure that it's a place that that offers you, uh, you know, a window in which to return it. Go to the Apple Store, and yeah, I to the think Apple, store. Apple offers. I think Apple offers a return policy of. I don't even know what it is. I think it's 14 days is the yeah. standard one for just Apple. just to bring it back. So mm-hmm. so I think I think what you're risking is your time at that point. Uh, if it doesn't work, you can
0: always you can always bring it back. All right, let's take a break and we'll jump into some more force touch stuff. Yeah. Because we're all about input devices these days. I guess so. That's what it's all about. This episode is brought to you by lynda.com. They are the online learning platform that has over 3,000 on-demand video courses that are there to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, you can visit lynda.com upgrade. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot upgrade. If you are looking to learn anything lynda.com can help you. And this isn't, you know, when I talk about lynda.com, I think people just expect I'm going to talk about software that you can use, you know, or you can learn how to use logic, or you can learn how to use Xcode, or maybe you want to learn how to use a piece of hardware or something like that. But they do a lot more than this. So, for example, let's say you're getting into design. With lynda.com, you can take courses on the foundations of color and typography in design. Or let's say you're looking to learn how to take photos. Photography is the new thing that you're after. It's the hobby that you're looking to to partake in. They can also they can teach you about the software. They can teach you about that kind of stuff, but they can also teach you how to light a subject properly or how to do good portrait photography. Lynda.com is for people that are looking to solve problems, people that are curious to stuff and people who want to make things happen in their lives. This can be, as I mentioned, software and hardware, but it can also be some of the fundamentals that you need to take that new hobby and take it to the next step, or to help improve you in your work, or to help improve you in your side business. Whatever it is, linda.com can help you, and they do this by giving you fantastically produced courses that are taught by people who are absolute experts. You can stream any of their thousands of video courses on demand. You can stream them in any order that you like. They have uh, broken them all down into great bite-sized pieces so you can watch them in any order. And you can even create and save playlists of these courses so you can customise your own learning path and share this with others as well. You can watch on the go with an Android and iOS device so you can learn wherever you like. You're not just tied to watching it on a PC or, or, a, or a Mac. But you can also, when you do this, when you do watch in a web browser, you can uh, follow along with their great transcripts as well. And you can also search these later, to skip to a specific point in a video. When you sign up for lynda.com, your membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, go ahead and visit lynda.com slash upgrade and sign up for your free 10-day trial. Thank you so much, lynda.com, for their support of this very show. Now, Jason, you wrote a piece on your lovingly titled, I think this is fantastic, More Color column on Macworld. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that on the show before, but it's a great little title for your... Um, is, this, is this like an op-ed column? It's uh,
1: It seems mostly. Uh, yeah. it's basically, Macworld is paying me to write things once a week in that space. And uh, Susie came up with the, uh, the title uh, More Color, which is a nice uh, play off of Six Colors and also off of the... Uh, Analysts
0: always asking Tim Cook for more color during conference calls. So yeah, it's really a little bit great. of both. So on your uh, more color column this week, you spoke a little bit about the kind of underutilization of Force Touch on the Mac um, and maybe the interesting way how if you compare it to iOS, like iOS is already swimming in Force Touch, but whilst it's been around on the Mac for longer, there doesn't really seem to have been too much adoption. Is that Am I fair to say that? Yeah, I, there there are so many
1: issues here. So um, first, there's the issue of of what do you call it, right? And it, it was funny when when the trackpad came out, I was surprised that a lot of the feedback I got from people was,
0: "What do you mean force touch? Isn't it called three D touch now?" And it, no, they should not. have standardized. They really should have, and I well, know why they didn't. I understand that, but I think it made more sense to, to if they would have standardized.
1: Yeah, i I think I think the problem is that they. My guess is they have standardized, which is that 3D Touch is the new name. And that my guess is, because again, they could keep them as separate names, but it seems silly. Even if they are different technologies on different operating systems, three different operating systems, it seems silly to have two different brand names for pressure sensitive things, right? It seems silly. So they obviously had Force Touch because they put it on the trackpad and in the watch, and now they've changed their mind for I think you know maybe some good reasons. It's a uh, 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 I think it's a better, clearer title, 3D Touch, um, nice brand name, and um, and that's what it is now. But I don't think they're going to rebrand the existing Force Touch until later. And my guess with the Mac is that it's going to be until the next version of OS X, at which point they will call it 3D Touch and say, here are all these new features that it does. Because the problem with Force Touch is when they introduced it, it was just on the MacBook and, they, and the 13-inch MacBook Pro that they revved, and now it's also on the 15, and now it's also on the trackpad. But it was sort of added piecemeal. It was in the middle of an OS cycle. And surprisingly, El Capitan didn't do anything to advance it. Um, And so you end up in this weird state where when 3D Touch came out on the iPhones, Apple said, okay, here's how it works. Uh, On icons, it does this. And in apps, uh, you can do whatever you want. But we have built an API for peak and pop that you can use. And we built it into a whole bunch of our apps. And this is a good metaphor for this. And on the Mac, they said, you know, good luck to developers. And for their own part, they basically wired it up to the three-finger click. And added a few different demonstrations, basically, like in QuickTime of variable speed, but not a lot. In iMovie, there's an, there was a, 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 a modification where you'd get some haptic feedback when you were snapping or when dragging to the end of an item. Uh, some like demos, and cool demos, but not a lot more than that. And in the intervening time, I haven't used Force Touch since the, I returned that review MacBook that I got um, until this week. And um, not much has changed. Um, the i which we're going to talk about in a second, the iWork update that came out that last week actually does have some some uh, uh, t- uh, haptic feedback stuff in it. But uh, it's it's just kind of all over the place and, and most third-party apps don't seem to support it. And Apple's is inconsistent and Apple's apps are inconsistent. And it's just, it's striking to see that story versus the story with 3D Touch where it's very clear. Now, 3D Touch is a lot easier because there aren't alternate... Taps for iOS right now. There's like a tap and a, I guess a a long a long press, right? And and that's about it. But on the Mac, you already have Control click or right click or 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 whatever you want to call it or two finger click. And so. Uh, What do you do? You can't count on this being there. And it seems kind of pointless to waste it on just another gesture for the control click. So they made it the three finger thing. But the three finger thing is where you kind of stuff everything that isn't important because most people aren't going to ever three finger click on something. So it's kind of, it's just, it's all over the place. It's not consistent. Uh, the names don't match. I, it just, it strikes me that they had an opportunity to do this uh, and clarify this with El Capitan and they didn't. And we may all be waiting until the next version of OS X before we get more clarity. Because I do think they need to do peak and pop or something that's the equivalent of that on OS X. And, uh, you know, and just like on iOS, it's not mandatory You can't expect it to be there because there are lots of devices that don't support it. But if you do have a device that supports it, you know how it works, and it works that way in pretty much all modern apps. And on on the Mac, you know, there's not much there. There's just not that much
0: there. Yeah, I mean, I wonder why uh, they didn't create Peek and Pop for the Mac. Maybe because Force Touch is less of a marketing thing um on the Mac than it maybe is on iOS. I don't know. Or maybe maybe I mean do you know like the, is the pressure sensitivity of the trackpads as good as the phone? It seems so, right? Because you can do like the multiple layer thing for the quick yeah. time moving around. Yeah. Seems so. It's in, it's very interesting. Like even if they wanted to keep the peek and pop stuff so, it was more sellable on the iPhone, right? So, they come up with this great thing. They'll put it, so they're like, oh, we can do this, but we're going to put it on the iPhone because it makes a, a nicer marketing message to introduce it there. It's still strange that it hasn't come back to the Mac yet. Maybe it will, but you'd, you'd think that it maybe would have come with El Capitan.
1: Yeah, that's what I think. And I'm surprised that it didn't. And maybe it's just that they were not capable of getting it into El Capitan. Um, it's strange knowing that the Force Touch. Uh, was going to extend to anybody who wants to buy this Magic Trackpad two, that that wouldn't be something they would consider, and that it was in all their all their uh, new generation laptops now. Um, but again, yeah, maybe maybe they weren't ready. Maybe the three D touch stuff on iOS was being baked separately and until it got kind of locked in, the Mac people, you know, it it would be very hard. They could have done it, but the other way to do it would be like, okay, we're gonna unify our pressure, you know, sensitive stuff. We're gonna unify it all. It's all gonna behave the same way. And we're gonna put those in the iOS release in El Capitan. And probably what they said was, you know what? We're just gonna do it in iOS. And once we figure it out in iOS and do it there, then OS 10 can can do it next year. And that's probably what happened. What's weird is the hardware is there now. (laughs) And was there before the iOS hardware was out. So I don't know. I mean, I don't have a problem with force touch as a concept on the Mac. There are moments where I what I would say is there are moments where I think this would be a really nice place if I could do an alternate click. This would be a really nice place if I could do um, a a force click that brought up a that executed a script or that brought up a, a contextual menu that was different from the usual two finger click contextual menu uh it it happens every now and then that i think this might be a good place for it and you know they just it's not there i I think one of the reasons is because how many developers are spending all their time using a device that's got one of these trackpads in it um more now more soon at least i think Because they will get this device and they will be able to explore it more than maybe if they're just using a MacBook Pro. Because even, I mean, I know developers use MacBook Pros a lot, but are they using them as their main systems? And are they using them as their main systems without like an external mouse and keyboard? It's probably a smaller percentage. So I think this Magistrat Pad 2 could go a long way to increasing the number of third-party developers who are at least aware of uh, Force Touch on the Mac. Uh, whether they'll do anything with it, I don't know. But it's just it's just kind of not being used consistently. And Apple could lead the way here, like they did on iOS with three D touch, and they and they really
0: haven't. I think that it also speaks to the platform advancement because you know I understand the idea of the Mac developers not having uh, Magic Trackpads to test on, but so many iOS developers were implementing Force Touch before they had the devices, right? To to get it out on day one. I just think it speaks to the platforms a little bit more that in I- on iOS you want to make sure you've got the latest and greatest because it's potentially more of a benefit than yeah. having the latest and greatest on the Mac. It it's
1: true. It's true and there's there's more active development happening on on iOS than on the Mac. But yeah. th- that all said, there are people who make their living on the Mac of course. Uh, as as developers
0: and but it certainly seems like those developers of aren't really making their money from the App Store and and I think the reason that iOS developers race is because they'll get the app store features if they have the new new stuff in, right? So like if we think about the, the, some of the companies that we know, you know, like Omnifocus or you know uh, uh, James Thompson who develops Peacalc, yeah, Like they don't seem they they do direct sale and obviously, you know that they, they move that way and they seem to I mean there there are a couple of developers that I wanted to bring to mind because they're always putting the new stuff in, right? Mm-hmm. But I know that James was like he goes crazy trying to get all the iOS stuff in mind, the same way the OmniFocus and the OmniGroup guys do. Yep. Because on the, I guess on iOS, it's more important because if you can get that, like made for iPhone six feature, oh that's yeah, right, awesome, right, right. I know.
1: I was looking in there, right the moment the moment that they had that up, I was looking in there, seeing you know what are the new apps that Apple has said these use yep. the features of of, of iOS nine because you want to test them, but yeah,
0: that this doesn't exist. Really? On the Mac? I mean, do, does anybody really look in the Mac App Store for anything? Does anyone browse it? Like, I never browse the Mac I, App Store. I, I browse the, uh, the iOS App Store like a couple of times a week. I did use it
1: last week for this, and I went to the search box in the Mac App Store, and I typed uh, I force touch, and there were no, no uh, responses. There were no right. search results.
0: But it feels like there's got to be an app in there somewhere that has false touch in the description, you, but it's just not finding them.
1: You you would think, but yeah. either way, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> either way, that is a really, really bad sign. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to say, though, that Apple's got the right approach on iOS to this, which is we're going to show you how you use this, and we're going to build it in. And they didn't build it in ev- everywhere, and we can complain like Control Center should have it, and there's lots of stuff that should probably have it that isn't there. But lots of Apple's apps have it built in, and they, have, they, and, and they are generally used, the peak and pop metaphor and they supplied an api so that developers didn't have to build peak and pop themselves they just use what apple built and it works like you'd expect and that's good that's smart and on on uh a, on i a, on a mac os on os 10 they uh you know they have examples and there there's you know there's APIs and all, but it's not like they don't have the unified approach that they that they brought to iOS. And I I guess I understand it on one level, but it just seems bizarre to me that they would bring out the hardware and have the software kind of kind of not be hooked up very well. I mean it works, but what is it for? And and El Capitan could have made that case, and it didn't make that case. So it's just now that I've got this uh, Force Touch trackpad sitting here, this Magic Mouse uh, or Magic Trackpad two. Uh, what can i use it for and i'm sure there will be some things that'll be coming out now that now that this product exists i think it will help and i'm sure that there will be some really nerdy utilities that will let you bind strange behaviors (laughs) to a force touch um but it's just not you know it's just uh it's disappointing that it's not further along um i will say and we, we can get to this more in a in a minute. Uh, some of the stuff in the, the iWork update, I'm I'm intrigued by. Um, that's that's using the the haptics rather than the force touch. Um, it's it's interesting that Apple has has gone that way uh, with iWork, and uh, that may encourage some developers to use that feature a little bit more.
0: Let's put a pin in that. We'll come back to iWork in a moment, but yep. just before we got off this topic, are there you know you are a Mac user primarily? Right? You use the Mac way more than iOS, don't you? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Is there any feature that you can think um, that you would really like to see with false touch on the Mac? Like, is there any part of the OS or any part of Apple's apps or outside of Peek and Pop or any third party apps that you you see as like, I really, really want to have false touch here for X reason?
1: Well, for me, for me, a lot of it is about it's a productivity boost. Is there something that I need to do with a keyboard shortcut or going to a menu that I need to do right here? Something I could select and then do. And the problem is this is one of the problems with with the, the UI is a lot of that stuff is on the contextual menu already. So why do you need an additional context? And what I would say is there are cases where the contextual menu is very general, and I want something incredibly specific. And that's why I mentioned, you know, the idea of something that takes a script or or runs an automator action or something like that, where I could I could bind it directly to a script, or I could bind it to a quick pop up menu of like three things that I could that I could choose from instead of the big full on contextual menu that I normally get. That would be an example. Um, I can. Imagine Imagine in something like Logic having the ability to do a Force Touch on something in order to get a separate set of controls. Well, I would uh,
0: really love to do because you know with Logic you can set um, th- you can set your clicks, can't you, to be different tools? So you can choose two tools, right? So you can have right. left click and right click effectively uh-huh. as different tools. I would love to be able to have Force Touch as a third tool. Yeah, sure, but it'd be great, right? Because why not? I, I would, why oh, not? I would love that, or even. Uh, you know, it, better ways to zoom and pan. And I, I feel that there's some stuff there for the pro apps that could be really interesting. Um, I just wonder what could come out of the, the more consumer stuff outside of Peek and Pop, which, as we said, should really, really be there now, especially yeah, in but- like messages and, and stuff like that. I would really like to see that. Yeah. What, whilst we're talking about Peak and Pop, totally different thing, but I just wanted to mention this because it's been on my mind and it just popped into my head. Peek and pop. Did you, did you peek at first? I did, it and then was popped in. Okay. Uh, I really like it on iOS, but I have one one problem. How in like um, let's say say you're in messages and uh-huh. you have a link, and you can peek the link, and if you pop it, it doesn't pop into place. Then the app like Safari slides in from the side. I really wish yeah. it wouldn't do that. Huh? I wish it would just pop it in because like in Tweetbot, for example, I don't know if, Twitter or if it has. And pop. Yeah, same same thing. It's using Safari View Controller, but it just pops into place. Yeah, but with well, it's something like it, messages on mail, it opens the Safari app, and it it's like you're peeking it. Oh, this looks nice. You pop it, and it goes, Whoop, and it just flies. And I just wish it wouldn't do that. I wish it would just open it.
1: In a world with Safari View Controller, which is the new thing in iOS 9 that basically lets apps have Safari inside them, and it's, like, full-on Safari, and then there's that done button that you can, you know, and there's some UI issues there that they seem to be working out... Um, Apple's apps should probably use it, yeah, right? Yeah, because
0: it's nicer. It's a nicer experience.
1: Because then you never leave the app that you're in. But instead, exactly. all of Apple's apps g- go from messages or mail or whatever and open the full Safari instead of using Safari view Controller. I think that's a really interesting ar- ar- argument that, you know, if I want to use Safari, I'll be using Safari. And if I want to open this in Safari, I can do that. But the default should probably be just open this page here. And then when I'm done, I'll continue on with
0: messages. Because that action, like the, the 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 idea of opening the extra app, it breaks the, the like the UI flow of Peek and Pop, because when it pops in, it opens another app and then loads it again.
1: Yeah, it's no, you you, I I never I never really considered that, but you're absolutely right that that there is um, that that's actually bad. I would say bad user experience, right? Like if you're in Mail, why why would it not flip up a? Uh, and th- this goes in general. I think it, why would it not flip up a, a Safari View Control? I mean, there, there. I'm sure there's a whole big argument there. But I, I do wonder with some of these if it, if it perhaps is just that that's not how it's been done in the past. And I, I wonder, yeah. did that argument happen, or was it more like, look too much we're not going to we're not going to debate safari view controller in mail we're just going to ship it the way it's always been but wouldn't it be i think there's an argument to be made that it would be a, it's always a better user experience and again i'm i'm not saying that this is true i'm saying it's a, there's an argument to be made that it's always a better experience to stay in the app you're in when you click a link to a web page bring up the safari view controller in ios 9 and then when you're done you dismiss it because you're in facebook or you're in well they don't use it but you're in you're in mail you're in messages you're not in safari and it would actually reduce the number of times you'd have to see that little thing in the corner that says go back to the app you were in before
0: like and if you think that you know the majority of people probably use third-party apps mostly right or like at least we do we use third-party apps more than apple's apps we end up in a world where apple seems to be doing the weird thing rather than the third parties right by not using safari view controller so yeah, just something it's just it's just something that I, it's been bugging me. So I'm pleased that I remember to bring it up. But we should talk about the iWork update, but before we do that, Jason, could you please thank stamps.com for sponsoring this week's episode? Indeed, stamps.com is
1: uh is our is one of our sponsors this week and I've been using it. I've actually been using it a lot the last couple of weeks. Um most of us, especially if you're in a small business you're trying to find more time to get things done and trips to the post office and waiting in line and having them weigh your packages and having you know having to get postage and and uh, drop things in the box and all that it's just it's a hassle and the the world we live in uh, with our with our computers and printers and things mean you don't have to do this anymore and that's enabled by stamps.com uh, with stamps.com you can buy and print official us postage it's not anything weird it is official approved by the us uh, postal service uh, postage right from your computer and printer. They will send you a digital scale. It automatically calculates the exact postage you need. It's great. There's a browser plugin. It's crazy. And, uh, you know, it's a USB scale, and you put uh, a, a box on it or, or a thick envelope. And um, in the web page form for stamps.com, it like puts in the, the weight immediately. It's crazy. Oh, wow. It, it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like. All right, I'll move on. I, I keep expecting to have to put in the weight and say, so, no, it's already in there because there, there's a there's a browser plugin that does it. It's 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 very cool. Um so it all happens right there, automatically calculated. You don't have to spend time going to the post office. You can do it from your desk with stamps.com. You print the postage you need, you put it on a letter or a package, you know, you can tape it on. They've got some uh you know, they've also got some like sticker forms available, but you can also just print it on paper and tape it on, and that's it. Hand it to the, the mail carrier when they come to your door. And they'll take it away, and you're done, and you didn't go to the post office. Now, Stamps.com is a service. It costs $15.99 a month, but you don't have to make any long-term multi-year commitments like postage meters require. There are no markups on postage. In fact, you can get postage discounts with Stamps.com. So it's really a no-brainer. I've been using it a lot. Um, I, we won, so the Incomparable won the Parsec Award, which is a sci-fi podcasting award, uh, for the second time, which is pretty awesome. Uh, because really, once you win one award, you're an award winner forever. It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Just need one, but we've got two parsecs now. So um, they have, they have neat little trophies with stars on them, and you can get um, you can you can. Uh, I bought trophies for all the panelists on the incomparable. So um, I need to, they sent them to me in a big box, a giant box full of trophies. So I had to, had to send those out. And I actually went to the post office once and got a bunch of their prepaid. Uh, well, they're not prepaid. They're standard boxes and stamps.com works with that. So I was able to go into the stamps.com interface and say, okay, I'm using the postal service box. Um, here's who I'm sending it to. It calculates all the postage. It prints the label. I put the label on the box. And then, again, my letter carrier comes to the door, and I can hand them a stack of boxes and say, take these away. And that's for their flat rate. I I have also sent some things where it's just a cardboard box from my garage, wrap it up, weigh it, put in the dimensions, and uh, hand it to the postal uh, worker when they come to my door. Pretty great you can sign up for stamps.com right now please use this promo code upgrade the name of the show you're listening to for this special offer you get a four-week trial of stamps.com and there's a 110 ten dollar bonus offer including postage and a digital scale so don't wait go to stamps.com before you do anything else click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in the word upgrade that's stamps.com and enter
0: upgrade thank you to stamps.com for sponsoring upgrade this week so we finally got some updates uh, to pages, numbers, and Keynote uh, across the board. Yeah. Right? So we got iOS and OS ten updates. Um, I know that people hate it when you say things are late, right? But this this was late. You know, because it's like, it's not late until Apple says it's late. This was late, right? This, yeah. Why would they not have had these ready to go when the new phones shipped or when iOS 9 shipped? Like... They were late, right? Is that fair to say, Jason? Yeah. Um.
1: On the Mac side, the same thing, right? On the Mac side, the the apps hadn't been updated in ages, um, and didn't get updated with El Capitan or iOS nine, <laughs> but they did get updated. Yeah, um, they're here now, which is great. We had we had uh, this was a topic on Clockwise at one point, which was like concern that Apple did Apple need to care about iWork anymore now that you know. Microsoft is is on iOS with good apps and Google's got good apps on iOS. You know, I work is I work uh originally it was sort of a hedge, like you can be productive on the iPad, but now there's so many ri ways to be productive. But they did they did finally update it. So full credit to them. It added a lot of features um, some of which are kind of embarrassing, like backward compatibility with old versions, where it used to be like you had to keep the old version around, and like when you installed the new version, it would move the old version into a folder, but keep it there because if you had old old files they wouldn 't open in new versions, which is just so bad, but they added they added support for for older versions. Um and uh and there's some there's some other cool stuff in there. It's it's funny that it took this long. Um, uh, but I'm glad they're here because for those people I, I hear from a lot of people who rely on i work and I don't I love keynote and I use that. I'm giving a presentation at a user group tomorrow and I'm gonna use keynote. I, I PowerPoint is a lot better than it used to be, but I keynote is my presentation tool of choice. And I actually use numbers a lot to make charts because I think that the charts and graph stuff in numbers is is very pretty. Um and, yeah that's and, why
0: uh, I use numbers because I don't fully understand everything that Excel can do um and I like the way that, that numbers charts look if I have to make anything to send to somebody like you know like we sometimes um I make like proposals for sponsorship right so someone mm-hmm. will say you know I have this much budget what do you want to do with that and and I'll put together a nice looking document in in pages and numbers which is what I really like to use them for I mean I I do use Microsoft products um, quite a lot, but I tend to use them because people send me Microsoft files, sure. right? They send me Word files and stuff, but it's it's not where I necessarily go. I, I, I personally just... The, the, the OS 10 first UI of the iWork suite makes the most sense to me. Well, I
1: learned back when the charting tools in uh, Excel for the Mac were um, really awful, <laughs> I learned how to you know, numbers came out and they were pretty and I learned how to use it. And now my understanding is that the, the, the chart generation stuff in Excel is a lot better than it was. I don't know if it's as good as numbers, but it's a lot better than it was. The charts output can be made a lot prettier, but it's too late. I've learned how to use numbers. Numbers make pretty charts. Um, and so I'm happy to, I'm happy to use that. And and like I said about keynote, uh, one of the funny things that they did do on the Mac side here is they, um, they support uh, haptic feedback for, Um, I think it's snapping to guides when you're in, uh, when you're in some of these apps. So it's really interesting. I'm not sure whether I like it or not. Well, I kind of like it. I think, I think it's kind of interesting that, um, in addition to the visual, like snap, when you're, when you're moving to something and it's trying to show you alignment possibilities. So it gives you, it gives, it, it drops the, um, it's not even snapping. It's dropping an alignment guide when you move it into proper alignment. I guess it does snap a little bit, um, and that, that that's great for lining things up. It's a great feature. But now you get this faint kind of like bump when that appears. Hmm. So it's almost like you can it's almost like you can feel the the location positions for an item as you're dragging it around on the on the canvas, which is kind of fun. So um, that when we were talking about the force touch trackpads earlier, um, I should say that this is an interesting bit of haptic feedback that they built into. Um, I was I was using it on Numbers earlier today, and uh, it's kind of cool and uh, and uh, an interesting different kind of interaction. Uh, you know, feedback model. Like it's in addition to the visual. Now you've got a little bit of feel on that on that otherwise unremarkable glass surface. Now you actually are kind of feeling a texture. In the app that you're using, which is uh, that's actually uh, pretty cool.
0: That's bringing the whimsy via Force Touch. It is a little bit. I that's mean, not a bad I, thing. I think, I think that yeah. is a good thing. It's what Apple's good at. Like what you've just explained there, it's not needed, right? But it's nice that it's there. Yeah, I mean, what are the
1: what are those um, what are those alignment guides for? They're to give you feedback that you may be, you know, you've sort of snapped to a place. That might be exactly where you need to be, and then, you know, and then when you move it a little bit, here I'm doing it right now, uh, hmm. you get this little boop, little thing that says, "Oh, now you're now you're in alignment," and uh, it may drive some people crazy, but I think it's kind of a a neat idea to just what what if we had the ability to do to give more feedback than visual? Now we do with this with this haptic, uh, little buzzer in the trackpad. We can give people a little jolt i would use that like iMovie having that thing that tells you when you you're at the end of a drag i could totally see that in logic i would love to see that in logic where i when i was moving things around i got a little bit of haptic feedback to go with uh dragging things or uh opening expanding or contracting clips i think that would be a uh, again it's just another reminder sometimes you're you're dragging and you're not paying that close attention and you getting a little feel in addition to uh something on screen i don't know is it you know it's it's new. It's a new interaction for me, and I don't know how useful it is, but I like the idea of trying.
0: As someone who's just been putting together a presentation in Keynote, I am in the Snap to Alignment camp. Yeah, um, I like how it does that because I cannot align things by my eyes. <laughs>
1: oh uh, you no, know, that's one of my favorite. I mean, in, in Keynote and in uh, and in Numbers, it's one of my favorite features the the fact that you've got this ability to uh, to i can't eyeball centering something to save my life right but it'll just do it it'll be like yep now it's centered okay good good feedback thanks uh thanks app (laughs) um but yeah like for what's new in keynote i just opened it and it's got you know split view support for el capitan open keynote 08 and 06 presentations
0: yeah i can't believe i just can't believe that that was a thing that you couldn't do that like it's kind of crazy I mean it's not like it was a years years and years ago, but it just is, it's kind of crazy to me that it doesn't that it doesn't work um on ios basically it's you know it got all of the iOS nine stuff right it got yeah split view slide over some 3 d touch stuff all the um, stuff that you want but one of the things that didn't happen which I was hoping would happen would be better collaboration tools with the web,
1: <laughs> yeah which came out of the web client i guess is no longer called a beta yeah
0: but, i mean um, they, they're saying that they're doing more with it and they, i mean i can't remember off the top of my head but apple has this big chart that i'll put in the I'll put in the show notes and they're saying they're doing more but it's still the idea which is just crazy to me um of you know that you if you want to collaborate with somebody you download your their a version that they share with you then you yeah. make your own changes to it like it just doesn't make yeah. any sense you no. can't do any collaboration um and I think yeah. if you can't do collaboration like the Google Drive stuff, you 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 can't say you do any.
1: I feel like they're in the place that I think Microsoft was a while ago, which I think Microsoft is now in a better place where, where you've got multiple people open on a document and they lock it at – like for Word, it's like at the paragraph level um, – and that's what you want is you, you, you start with it being uh, serial collaboration, which is like we've Microsoft, that was what their story was for a long time was like, we've got we've got collaboration, everybody can take a turn. It's like, okay, well, what if I want to collaborate simultaneously with somebody on a long document where they're in this chapter, and I'm in this chapter? What about then? Nope, doesn't work, right? And now I think it does in Microsoft stuff. It definitely doesn't Google stuff. Uh, but, uh, you know, Apple's got some work to do there and i think you can do that all on the web right but not in the apps
0: yeah and and it's, think, that's that's the that's crazy thing like there is an amount of it that you can do on the web but the fact that you can't i mean cuz when when I, I probably should have prefaced that and say it's it's about the apps for me which is important right. um and the fact that you can't do the the stuff in in the apps is crazy to me like I've seen uh, Dropbox look to be doing something, right? They've they've got their thing called pay, what a paper paper paper. Sure, yeah, why not? Because everyone can have an app called Paper. Sure. Um, and we should call the real FM app Paper. Paper. Everything. Paper for real FM. Paper FM. Um, yeah, new show Paper. It's just all the old shows. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they haven't currently got an app working, and they you know they're saying maybe at some point, but there's no. Doesn't really seem to be concrete plans that's being reported right now that they have an app, and it's like you've you've got to have an app, like you just you just do. Like if you're making a tool like this, people are only going to be able to adopt it for for collaboration if they can use it everywhere. Which is why yeah. you know some people don't like Google Docs, but it's why it is it's irreplaceable for me. And I've tried some other services. Have you ever heard of Quip, Jason? Yes. So me and Federico tried to use that for a while, but it, it the overall experience was relatively inconsistent. Um, but it was, it was at least doing everything that you needed. You could do collaboration on the web and you could do collaboration in the apps and it was all live. And that's the exact sort of stuff that you need to be doing. I think if you want something like this, if you want to say you have a, a document collaboration tool like this, it has to be able to be cross-platform and running live everywhere.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, I think I think we should give some credit to the fact that the iWork collaboration stuff is much more functional than it used to be.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's it's
1: way better but than it was back back when it asked you to take action. Yeah. I mean, there is an episode of the <laughs> prompt. Example. I'll put it in oh the show God. notes. This is, this is going deep <laughs>
0: catalog, uh, but where we tried to use it to to plan that episode and it was just it was horrific. It was so bad. Um, yep. And it has gotten way better, but it's still lacking in so many of the things that we found it lacking in then. Oh man, yeah, that was a that is one of my favorite episodes. Of the prompt because you guys
1: just get more angry as it goes.
0: Yeah, and the take and then, action was because yeah. there was a there was a dialogue. I can't even remember what the dialogue said, but it only had one option, and the option was take action. Take action.
1: <laughs> No it's come a long way since then it is a much more functional thing. I'm glad they took the beta label off of it but you're right I think um you need to be able to collaborate in apps and it needs to be real time and you know that just needs to be how it is because people do document collaboration that's how the world works these days yep. is the, and, and it's not serial uh you know especially on lo- on large documents but even on small documents you'll have a lot of people in there and it's Google you know Google set the bar here and everybody else has to has to match it on that on that point.
0: All right, we still have uh we we're doing Back to the Future part 2 like at the movies at the end of the sixth episode. So why don't we do some Ask Upgrade now uh all right. to 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 ease us in to a uh, a very exciting Mike to the movies, I think. Let's do it. But first, would you like to tell people about your our Ask Upgrade sponsor, Mike? I would love to. And this week that is go to meeting. I want you to take a moment, think about all of the time that it takes for you to try and arrange a meeting in your workplace. You have to think about getting everyone in the same place at the same time, which means coordinating. Say you've got seven people, you've got to coordinate seven calendars, and you've got to make sure that everybody agrees to a meeting because they need to check their calendars and you need to check your calendar and everybody needs to see how long it's going to take them. And then once you finally get everybody's time available, then you need to try and book a meeting room somewhere, which can be horrific. I remember in my old job, I would get to this stage and it would be like, well, there are just no meeting rooms available for two weeks. It's like, well, this isn't useful at all. This is what you need go to meeting for This is a better way to meet people. You can meet your clients and co-workers online with Citrix GoToMeeting. It's the smarter way to meet because GoToMeeting makes it easy for you to meet with your team or with anybody whenever you need to, wherever you are. It makes it super simple. You can access GoToMeeting meetings from any computer, tablet or smartphone without travel expenses or even needing to think about the hassle of travel. Anybody can join by clicking a link. No sign-ups, no speed bumps. You just send out the link to your team. Maybe you can put it in the calendar invite. Super, super simple. Everyone can join in. And you can even turn on your webcam. And with HD quality video, it's like everyone's in the room together. You can even share your screens to present, review, and get feedback all in real time. And you can do this from wherever you want. You can even be wearing your pajamas if you like. With GoToMeeting, everyone sees what you're seeing, so you and your team can get on the same page and get going quickly. It is time that you stop wasting time with the crazy logistics of arranging meetings. Go and sign up for GoToMeeting today. You can try it out for free for 30 days. There's nothing to lose. Just go to GoToMeeting, that's G-O-T-O, meeting.com, and click Try it free. There's a big button at the front. You just hit that right at the top. And you'll have your first meeting up and running in minutes. That's gotomeeting.com for your f- free 30-day trial. Thank you so much to GoToMeeting for their support of Upgrade. And ask Ooh. Upgrade. <laughs> what do you imagine is happening when you make that sound, by the lasers. way? Lasers. Yeah, because I imagine it like the lasers like coming down to the stage, right? Like... <laughs> I don't Mm -hmm. know what stage, but the stage that we're doing this show. The
1: Ask Upgrade stage.
0: Paul wants to know, are the new iMacs available with the VESA mount option?
1: Yes. I looked it up, Paul. Uh, Yes, they are. And uh, you, if you go, so because there's no Apple store anymore online, it's just the Apple website. If you try to buy an iMac, uh, so you go to the, like, buy this iMac kind of page, There, there is, if you scroll down, there's a paragraph basically that says, these are also available in a Visa mount option. And if you click that, then you Get to buy them with that, so yes, they are available. They don't; it's not you know they don't make it a mainstream thing, but they know that some people want to mount them on an arm or on a wall or something instead, and so they are still available that way. And as with the last versions, I believe it's the same story, which is it's one or the other. It's no longer an adapter kit; you either get it without a foot or you get it with a foot, and those are your only choices. So, um, I will put in a word for this: if you're somebody who plans on using your iMac at like a desk, um, uh, consider it. I did it. I have my iMac on, a, on an arm, and it's nice. I can It's adjustable. I can push it away. I can pull it closer. I can tilt it. I can lift it up or, and, and put it lower down toward the desk. Uh, I've got an adjustable desk. It's a sit-stand desk, so that's nice because I can adjust my iMac too. And the iMac floats on the desk, so I have access to my whole desktop. So uh, it does mean that, yes, when I'm done with it and I want to give it to somebody else, I'm going to have to find a, a Visa mount stand for it because it's now permanently you know not uh with an imac foot but i I'll, I'll i'll deal with that those are available and i'll deal with that when i get there but i'm really glad that i got it on the uh, uh the Vasa mount version and put it on an arm instead so
0: think about it so i can't um i can't do this with the mac that i bought you can't no because uh, i didn't buy a VESA one so you, right. you can't like convert them right no
1: somebody makes like an arm that has a clamp that grabs onto the foot but it's not no (laughs) no it's it's no it's actually it's a really very funny (laughs) to look at uh and you know you got to do what you got to do but no
0: it's no under no circumstances am i doing that that's no. that seems no. No, a you horrifically gotta, you bad gotta,
1: idea. You're in no you're in or you're out. You got you got to embrace the uh the mounting arm thing or or not. And I did I and I fretted about it when I when I bought my 5K Mac last year. I fretted about it, but um I've been really happy with it. It's and I I was actually already using this arm for a, a dell monitor like a 27 inch dell monitor that i was using to dock my uh, macbook air and uh it it supported the weight i looked at the specs and it supported the weight of the imac and so i just took the dell monitor off and put the imac on and it's been a year and it uh it has served me well so i've got clamped yeah i've got i've got the monitor arm clamped to one part of my desk and i've got a, a microphone boom arm clamped to the other part of the desk but it works really well it's i and um and it keeps my desktop clear, which is nice. I can move things in and out and I can, you know, it's it's good. I recommend it if you're somebody who, um, you know, who who is in a work situation or a home office situation where you might be better off with it on an arm somewhere instead of uh, just sitting on a desk.
0: Real time follow-up. Uh, CGP Grey is very angry at you right now.
1: Oh, is he? Yeah. Well, this I, won't be I the first time. I assume he
0: wanted the VESA mount option now, but, but has now put himself in a situation where he can't. But knowing gray, he'll just buy another one. He He's mad at me for bringing information. I, swear, I think so. Okay. I think so. It is it is
1: available. Is, all I'm, is, is, is Paul a pseudonym for CGP gray? <laughs> listener <laughs> Paul? Is that you, listener Paul?
0: Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's Apple, what the P stands not, for.
1: Apple does not make it easy for you. You have to go to apple.com/imac and click the buy button, which you know again, it takes you to this weird thing that oh, it's not an online Apple store except it's apple.com/shop, right? But no, no, no. Um and there they've got all of the look at all of the 21-inch models, look at all the 27-inch models and then right below that it says looking for an iMac with a built-in VESA mount adapter? question mark What's the answer, Well, you must click to find out, and when you click, it's the same page essentially again, except with the
0: Visa mount versions. I think Gray's very upset that we didn't give him this information last week. I think that's that's, that's cancel your demand.
1: order and order again, do it, do it
0: join the Visa. Oh, but it's being delivered tomorrow <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> so's mine actually I think it's going it's going to oh. arrive it will definitely arrive whilst I am away. Um, So I'm very much looking forward to uh, getting it all ready, because especially as as we won't be recording on the Monday, that gives me more time to get everything ready. Um, And I will be able to talk about what uh, the life with a 27-inch Retina iMac is like for me. Oh, nice. Benjamin would like to know, is there a way to instantly pair the Magic Keyboard to an iOS device like you can with a Mac? Nope. You still have to go through the and type in this thing and do this thing.
1: Yeah, it uh, it'll bring it up and and it'll say like Magic Keyboard, and you'll tap it in iOS, and then it pairs, and then it's a Bluetooth keyboard. But there's no magic because it's it would need to be like a Lightning to Lightning cable or something, and I don't think they bothered. That's that if that yeah
0: no, <laughs> just Bluetooth pair it. It's fine. So uh, I have a question. So, yeah. Well, a question to uh, me, actually. Hashtag ask, up, ask yourself on upgrade. <laughs> no, I, I got that wrong. This person's name is Michael, but it's not me asking myself a question. Michael oh, wanted okay. to know um, what ergonomic keyboard I use because oh, yeah. uh, I mentioned this. And I, uh, I use the Microsoft Sculpt ergonomic keyboard. I will put a link in the show notes to Marco's review to this because one, it gives you the details you need. And two, Marco was the one that recommended this to me. Um, it does not have a um mac layout it is a windows right layout uh but you can go in and you can actually in keyboard preferences you can change it to pc so it kind of just works right yeah so i change it to british pc because i have a british version here um do, do you know the difference some of the differences between u s and british keyboards if you've ever seen a British keyboard, you probably have, right?
1: I have. So on my on my visits to to the UK, um, and I think maybe I saw this on on a, on might have even be been yours, but on somebody's laptop in the US. But certainly when I was in the UK, I was looking at, at somebody's keyboard, and I had a moment of like, w- wait, 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 <laughs> what what is that? Because you think, oh yeah, we speak the same language, it's all fine, and you you guys don't have our keyboard,
0: no. We have a vastly superior keyboard with a beautiful (laughs) key that we call the return key, which functions as the enter key, and it's this upside-down boot shape. It's glorious. That's weird. And also we have things like um, uh, above the two is quotation marks, and the at symbol is above the comma. Just little things like that. That's wild. And I have a pound key. Well, you should. Yeah. So I can very easily uh, go hashtag crazy without needing to know a keyboard shortcut. Not pound as in as in uh, currency. British British pound. Oh, you have an actual like number sign. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we have that. It's on the keyboard. That's so strange. I love it. I'm a big, I love my I love my uh, UK keyboard. But yeah, I so I use the Microsoft Sculpt. I like it a lot. I think at, at some point in the future, I want to talk about this type of stuff a little bit more because I am having some severe wrist pains right now. Right. And I want to, I'm trying out a bunch of different input devices. Um, so I want to talk about these. Like right now I am using a Wacom for everything. Um, so I want to talk about this a little bit more maybe uh, in a future episode uh, as this is something that is finding its way into my life, but luckily I have lots of friends like uh, Mr. Syracusa who give me great advice of books and things to, to check out, so maybe we'll talk about this in a future episode, but I do really like the sculpt uh, ergonomic keyboard it's one of those ones that puts a hole in the middle of your keyboard and kind of slides oh, right. everything yeah. towards
1: it Yeah, I can't use those, but they're better for for a lot of people who have ergonomic
0: problems. Yeah, my problem is I can't use the other. So <laughs> it's like, it's, yep. you know, it's best yeah. of a bad lot.
1: It's actually, it's funny. People were talking about the extended keyboards on the, uh, uh, that, that Apple's keyboard doesn't have, uh, it's 10 keyless, I was told by, I think maybe Marco Armand actually, it might've been CGP 2 p Gray. That 10 keyless is the proper term, which is a ridiculous term. But uh, the, the, the I like keyboard, that word, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the extra, stuff on the side Um, but one of the reasons i like the really small keyboard uh, not not small keycaps the keycaps are full size but something like the new magic keyboard that is just uh it doesn't have a number pad or anything like that one of the reasons i like that is that it gets my uh my trackpad closer to my keyboard and i like that because that's less sort of like spreading out that i have to do with my, with my wrists, mm-hmm. I, it's, all, it's all just sort of right in front of me. and Instead of having this very little-used thing, since I'm right-handed especially, little-used thing that sits between the keys that I type on and the, the, the trackpad that I use for, for moving around on screen. So I, yeah. like, I like that. I know that for some people, I also grew up using an Apple II that didn't have a 10, a 10 key. And so uh, I learned how to type numbers on the, the horizontal number row. Instead, and I know that if you learned to use a keypad, then it's like death to not have it. But I, I didn't learn on that, and so it didn't matter to me.
0: Yeah, the uh, the sculpt is ten keyless, but it comes with a little ten key additional thing, which is great, which you can put next to it, uh, which I I like that because all right, working in finance and banking as I did for so long, I am so fast on a ten key. Oh, I bet it's ridiculous. Sure. Um, it's, it's one of those things where I don't even know where the keys are, but my hand does. You know? Anyway. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Massage. Wrote in to say that uh, he's considering buying a 5K iMac with eight gigabytes of RAM and later swapping it with a 32 gigabytes to save money. So there's a couple of questions about this: Does it affect warranty? Which manufacturer should I pick? And did I consider doing this? So, Jason, do you know the answers to the first two? Does it affect your warranty? And it doesn't doesn't anymore. Twenty-seven. No, it
1: it it, it, the 27-inch iMac has a RAM door on the back. You open the door and you put in RAM, and it doesn't affect your warranty because it's a user serviceable feature. Um, it's built to let users do that. So um I believe the twenty seven inch IMAC has four slots. So I think it ships with uh what? It ships it does it ship with two four gig or I think so. four I think it's two four gig and I have sixteen. I think I just bought when I I bought it with a two four and then added two more four gig uh module. So I have 16 gigs of RAM.
0: Yeah, and I think I think Steven said to me, because I got the 16, but I said he th- he thinks it's two eights. So I yeah. can still put more in as well. Yeah. Um I recommend Crucial for RAM. Um I've used them in the past. Uh the prices are really good. Uh they're really good in the UK and the US uh because they have a UK supplier like they also supply in the UK. Um, I've always used that stuff. I've always been happy with it whenever I've done this stuff. So I recommend Crucial because they also, they also have guides as well for how to upgrade this stuff, um, which is really useful. Um, so I've used them in the past. I don't know if you have anybody else that you recommend for RAM.
1: I I don't think I have any particular brand that I would recommend.
0: Okay. So I would say Crucial. Um I don't know if other people will be upset at that. I haven't considered doing this. I decided to just go with 16, just put 16 in there because it wasn't massively more. And I figured I just want to get it put in and have it delivered to me. And I can put more in later if I need it. But I don't see myself needing more than 16 for a while. Like 16 for me is is really good. That's really hefty. I have 16 in the Mac Pro and I'm never in a scenario where I'm like, oh, we should just have more RAM. It's just not... not a, not a thing that I feel I need. I feel like now that there are, for, at least with some of the stuff that I'm doing, there, there are bottlenecks in other places and RAM isn't going to help it. Um, so, you know, that's that. And uh, Hakon asked, which 3D touch setting do you use? So I'm assuming uh, that he means in the accessibility preferences. I've turned mine down all the way to the most sensitive, like the softest. Uh, have you changed it on your uh, yeah, iOS device?
1: I think mine's I think mine's in the middle. I think okay. mine's still the default in the standard. Mode. Yeah.
0: Alright. Yeah, I mean I I like it at the softest level, um personally. Uh but I have found that I very easily trigger it off when I'm into long press. Hmm. And I think that, that might be because it's at the softest level. So uh I think that is it for Ask Upgrade, which means it's time to discuss Back to the Future Part 2. for a special Mike at the Movies and uh, we will reiterate in a moment why we're doing this one and what makes it different. But before we do that, let me take a moment to thank our sponsor for Mike at the Movies this week and that is The Great Smile and PDF Pen 7 for the Mac. PDF Pen is the ultimate all-purpose PDF editor, and now Smile offers 10 great tutorials from the very talented and lovely Mr. David Sparks, also known as Mac Sparky, host of Mac Power Users on, on Here Relay FM. Each of the videos that David has produced are around two to four minutes long, um, and they will each, they are each two to four minutes long and they will teach you how PDF Pen 7 can help you do a ton of things like apply markup, annotate or add signatures to a PDF, fill in PDF forms. Um, he also teaches how to use iCloud and Dropbox to sync PDFs with PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone. So you can have your PDFs with you wherever you want to be, uh, how you can touch up images, perform OCR to convert, scan documents to usable text and correct and redact. Text as well. These courses will help you really understand all of the amazing things that you can do with PDF Pen. And there are even some additional courses to highlight how you can take advantage of the additional features of PDF Pen Pro 7. Now, I've watched David's screencasts, I've watched some of these videos as well. He's fantastic at this. Like, if you've been oh, yeah. considering PDF Pen, um, or you're interested in it, just go and watch these videos. They'll be at smilesoftware.com slash upgrade, and he will be able to show you exactly how to use this stuff. Um, if anything, just to hear David's great voice. You can, just, you know, he has a great voice. He's really good at this stuff. He's great at teaching. He's going to help you understand how to use this stuff. And I just wanted to add to all of this. I love PDF pen. Like I mentioned earlier about needing uh, Word documents. Sometimes people send me Word documents that I need to sign. It's like, What am I going to do here? Like, Uh, do I have to print this? But like, no, what I do is I open it in PDF pen and then I can sign it and I can even export it back out as a Word document again or a PDF. It is so cool. I love it for that. It saves my bacon every week where I get sent these documents that I need to to sign and do stuff with. Um, PDF pen really just makes that super, super simple for me. You can learn more about PDF Pen from Smile at slash upgrade, where you'll also be able to watch those videos. PDF Pen 7 and PDF Pen Pro 7 require your OS 10 Yosemite, but are also ready for El Capitan. Thank you so much to Smile for sponsoring this week's episode of Upgrade. So, we mentioned this before, but we're doing Back to the Future part 2 this week. Um, it's a departure from the usual format of uh, Mike at the Movies um because i have seen this movie yes um, not only have i seen this movie it is one of my favorite movies but considering this week actually on wednesday is the day that marty flies into the future right mm-hmm. it felt like a fitting uh mic at the movies to do
1: absolutely it couldn't be more timely
0: so there's a bunch of stuff this for a week. movie made in 1990 <laughs> exactly <laughs> 1989 so it even fits in the, the usual 80s rule. Okay. Uh, at least that's what IMDb tells me. So again, we're not breaking rules here. All
1: right, 1980, yeah, November 1989, you're right. There you go. So uh, you
0: have done an Incomparable about uh, Back to about, the Future? Back th-
1: th- about all the movies.
0: It, it's a, a pretty old one. It's number
1: 41, but people can check that
0: out. This was back when the Incomparable did much broader <laughs> yeah. topics. Yes, no,
1: back back when I didn't realize that we would be nearing 300 episodes.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about movies today. We did
1: we, seriously. We did an episode about Joss Whedon, like all Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I could do huh. ten episodes about Buffy alone, and uh, we did one episode. There was just everything Joss Whedon has done. Yeah, smart. We were we didn't know what we were doing, uh, but yes, we did it. We did a live episode uh, in the Mackerel Podcast Room. Uh, which got increasingly stuffy as it goes, so we get a little punchy at the yeah. end. But it was like me and Dan Frakes and Lex Friedman and and Serenity and Dan. Uh, I think that was who the crowd was. But it's
0: number forty one. It's called. But your kids are going to love it, so you can check that out. Um, and this is you know this is a great week because this week there is stuff everywhere about Back to the Future. Like there are lots of things, There are lots of companies that are bringing out some stuff. I'm really excited for what the week's going to bring as a massive fan of this series. Um, I love Back to the Future. Uh, Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2 are in my top list of movies of all time. I love these movies so much. Back to the Future 2 was always my favourite as a kid because of the 2015 scene. Um, it There was something about it. It just grabbed me and I loved it so much. Over, the t- over time, though... Um, Part one and part two have jostled as which is my favourite of the series, and I'm going to talk about a little later on why that is, because it was only up until about six months ago that I always thought that part two was my favourite, and I think I think it's I think that uh, Back to the Future one is my favourite now. That's um, a good choice. But and, and I'll talk about what it is there's there's a specific part that you know anybody that knows the movie probably knows what I'm gonna what I'm referring to but we should do as we always do um kind of go through this chronologically I don't have as detailed notes as usual because I know this movie so well right that I, I didn't really think it was necessary and plus I want to talk a little bit more kind of uh about the movie and, and kind of in the way that it has influenced a bunch of things and how interesting it is to me now watching it with the context of It was talking about right now. Right. Which I like. But I did want to mention a listener, Tom, sent in a link to um, an Amazon.com listing for the 30th anniversary trilogy box set um, that they're selling. And there's a video that you can watch, which is an ad for it. And it's very, very clever because they are basically saying in the ad to show you the future that we would have had if... uh, marty and the doc hadn't messed with it so what they're saying is like we don't have all of the stuff that's in this because they messed with the timeline Ah, uh, i thought that was very clever i like that i wonder I,
1: w- I wonder if listener tom is tom uh tom wilson who plays biff in back to the future <laughs> probably well, we'll just say it is we'll say it tom th- tom last name withheld that's headcanon right there That that is my headcanon yeah that's right
0: <laughs> so what again, right? So, one of the consistent themes that I'm going to talk about for what I love about this movie is the way that it is intertwined with the first movie. And I love that this movie begins with the end scene of the first movie, which obviously they reshot because uh, yeah. the actress that plays Jennifer didn't renew, like, she didn't yeah. come back
1: for some reason. Yeah, they they they. Lauren and I were talking about this when we watched this last night, and she says, well, given how little she has to do in this movie, and it's Elizabeth Shue they get to replace her, it's got to be that she wasn't available. Because even if they decided, oh, no, she's not a very good actress and now we need her, she's basically not in the movie. I
0: think it was money
1: related. So it must have been something like that. Yeah, Um, which I believe is the
0: same for Crispin Glover as well.
1: Yeah, Crispin Glo- well, he's also a weirdo, so he may just have not wanted to come back, but he, <laughs> he definitely didn't come back. The first movie made a lot of money, and then they see, you know, Steven Spielberg is lining up to to produce this, you know, the t- two movies back to back. They shot 2 and 3 together. And I could see how somebody might try to hold out for a for a bigger payday. I could I could sort of see that. I I think it hurts the movie because I really I really love the the original and um this is a recreation of it here. Instead of it really being the same scene as the previous movie, it's yeah. this not quite the same because it's Elizabeth Shue and she's got like a wig to match the girl from the other movie and her hair is really weird. I don't know. It's too bad because um, I have, I have so much goodwill because of loving the first movie so much. And the opening scene, it, it feels a little sour to me because it is absolutely a re, you know, a re recorded, Version. It's almost like you're watching kind of the stage version
0: of Back to the Future here at the. It beginning. is funny that I love it for that, and you because I oh, love that they just God. did. I just love that they did it. I I just love because they didn't even need to do it, right? Because they start this movie with no explanation. Like you had to have seen Back to the Future one. Oh so yeah. So they could have just as easily started with them in the car, right? Like in the future, having just gone, mm-hmm. you know, or start with Biff looking up as the DeLorean flies away. But they recreate that scene, which I. Right. I mean, I can see why you wouldn't like it for the reason that you mentioned. It's a very good point. But I love it because of that. And, and like one well, of my long running theme, one of the things that I, I'm going to mention it now because we're talking about it now. But okay. I think Back to the Future 2 is the most sequelly sequel ever in all of the right ways. It is like yes. the most perfect sequel because mm-hmm. it, it like reuses elements and scenes from yes. the first movie and is yes. completely intertwined with it. Like it is, for me, I think a fantastic achievement of editing. The way that they put this together,
1: I I agree. There's
0: some amazing stuff in in
1: here. I I would say, yeah, we'll 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 get to it. it, it I think you're right. Biff, Biff
0: is the reason this scene is is replayed because you need to see that he. They have to have him look up and see and see them all go away. But it could have started there if you know they could have done it that way.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's fine. I, I, a conversation we had last night was, um, the at at the end of Back to the Future, it's a joke. It's a great ending. They they say goodbye to the dock. Marty's back everything's okay. He's with his girl. They're going to go to the lake or whatever. It's all great. Yep. And then there's a great joke that ends the movie, which is he returns. He's got to go to the future. They're going to be married and their kids are in trouble. And where we're going, we don't need roads and it flies and it's the end. It's like, yeah, that was the greatest ending ever. And then you do a sequel and you're like, oh man, well, we got to pick it up from there. And it's interesting that I feel the movie kind of struggles for the first half hour because it's trying to live up to the joke at the the end of the first movie, and I'm sure it—you know—it would have been they—they they could have told a better story from the beginning if they didn't have to kind of hit all the notes that are mentioned in that last scene. Because it's—it's just kind of funny that they—they they, by making such a great last scene of the first movie, they—they they made their jobs for the sequel much harder. This is so interesting. With Jennifer, me. and you have to deal with Biff. You have to deal with the kids. There have to be kids. The kids have to be involved and they have to be in trouble. Um, And and, and that's sort of like, they might have made different choices, but they have to live up to the joke from the first, which is a great joke at the end of the first movie. And it just changes the trajectory because they have to live up
0: to it. Then we get the fantastic theme. The Back to the Future mm. theme, which I yeah. love so much. It's, it's great. It's beautiful. Um,
1: who, who scored this? It's so, Alan Silvestri, I think.
0: Yes, you're right. You're right. So Silvestri, yeah. yeah it's John super, Williams-esque in yeah, a way, it but it's, it's Alan
1: Silvestri, but it's got that same kind of soaring uh, orchestral... Uh, you, you know it.
0: If you've seen the Back to the Future movies, you know that theme. So obviously we go to uh, the future, right? In yes. what is... One of my most we're favorite. in
1: 2015. Yes,
0: the the impossible future of 2015, and this is probably I mean it's mainly for nostalgic reasons, but this is my favorite scene of any movie ever. Because as a as since being a little boy, I have just been obsessed with this scene. I love this scene when they arrive in the future, mainly the the scene from where Marty walks out into hill valley into the town square that's what i love i I love that scene so much um before that hilarious to me how they just put jennifer in the trash right (laughs) she's just we'll we'll deal with you later like again we don't 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 want you now (laughs) yeah we don't want
1: you in the movie so we're going to put you to sleep and stick you over here with the garbage it's great and we'll get you but and not leave you in the car and uh, because Biff is going to steal it, so or or whatever the reason is, but it's just it's oh, oh because you need to be kidnapped. It's so bad because again they don't they don't need her, but she was in the first movie or at the end of the first movie, so they've got to do something with her. And that's not the only time this happens. They dump her on the front porch later too. Oh, it's not it's not good. But then yeah, but then uh, the doc has to go. Uh, he's going to delay Marty's son so that Marty can take his place. And he basically says, and actually this is a laugh out loud, funny joke, which is, he says, Marty, uh, you need to, you, you look just like your son now. You need to go out there, go to the, go to the eighties diner and buy yourself a Pepsi. Here's a 50.
0: Yeah. That yeah. kills me. That just kills me. It Here's is, a 50. Yeah, it's a, it's a very subtle joke, but it's excellent. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm drinking a Coke Zero right now, not a Pepsi Perfect, but I'm sure from the perspective of 30 years ago, both are equally ridiculous.
0: Pepsi are releasing Pepsi Perfect this week. I know. But like in very limited numbers. Like 3,000
1: of them for 50. Yeah. I think it's $50. I think it's 50. It will cost you
0: 50 to get a Pepsi Perfect. I, I wish I could get, get my joke. hands on one easy. I, I oh want to buy God. everything that comes out this week. I'm hoping and <laughs> Praying and praying that Nike release on general release the the shoes, the self lacing uh, yeah. uh, shoes. They don't even need to be self lacing. They just need to look like that. The booty, the boot like shoes. Because they did them for charity, uh, didn't they? A few years ago, I think so. They did. So, and they were they were like a thousand dollars. So Marty walks out,
1: and there, and here it is, the world of tomorrow. Which is, it is a wonderful moment of, of like, well, what's the future going to be like? Yeah. And 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 here it is. It's this. It's bright and sunny, and there's a movie theater that's showing Jaws. 14 or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. Now it's really personal or something like that. It's It's really, really personal. personal. (laughs) Yeah. Really, really personal. Um, So I wanted to just, I have a list here of some of the key advancements that 2015 brings. Mm -hmm. And I would like us to assess them. Yes. All cars are flying. Well, most cars are flying
1: and they're selling conversions for your old wheelies to be flying cars. That's actually a an ad that I think Biff is involved somehow in the automotive industry at this point, right? Old oh, Biff. no, it's
0: Goldie Wilson. Oh, it's Goldie, Goldie,
1: Goldie, Goldie the third. That's right. It's and they're doing the conversions of your old wheeled cars to be the flying cars.
0: 3D movies, which funnily enough, in 2015 are maybe not as popular as they were in earlier years, but yeah, <laughs> but they are there. Right. So that's one. hmm. Now this is the weird one, right? Is my assumption. You're gonna to have to explain this to me. The Cubs, the Cubs. Sure. So there's
1: a, uh, a a great gag in the movie where, and it's during Wednesday during the day, which is not right because it's uh, news alert that the Cubs have won the World Series, um, and World Series games are played at night. Not in the <laughs> um, future even on the weekend but uh so they they missed the cynicism of that but um uh, but it it's uh it's an announcement maybe it's just delayed they 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 won the night before um but it's it's uh the cubs have won the world series also the world series um isn't going to be for another week <laughs> because they they've stretched out the playoffs a lot longer <laughs> since uh, 30 years ago but um the the joke is the cubs the chicago cubs in major league baseball Um, are one of the original National League teams. They've been playing uh, since the early 20th century, since the National League came into being in like 1902 or something like that. And they haven't played in the World Series since 1945, and they haven't won the World Series since 1908, I believe. Uh, So, yeah. So the joke is the Cubs won the World Series. So that's joke number one, because the Cubs haven't even been in the World Series in all this time. What's interesting is the Cubs are currently in the National League Championship Series against the Mets. So there's, there is, as we record this, there is still a chance the Cubs will be in <laughs> and maybe even win the World Series in 2015. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> the other joke is that they beat Miami. And there's a picture of like an alligator. So they're like the Miami Gators or something. And this is funny, and I had to explain this to my kids last night. Because there's a major league team in Miami now, the Miami Marlins. They're in the National League like the Cubs, so they couldn't meet in the World Series. But it it is there. The joke is, in 1985 or 1989, uh, when this movie came out, there was no major league baseball team in Florida. So that's a joke that has come true. And and made it less funny because it's like against Miami. Well, that's in the wrong league. But yeah, that that's a team. But it wasn't a team in 1989. So so there's a couple little baseball jokes there. And what's funny is the the writer of this movie is a St. Louis Cardinals fan who are actually the enemies of the of the Chicago Cubs. And he was saying how uh, when they the, the Cubs and the Cardinals were playing in the previous round of the of the postseason here. He was saying, "Well, I would really rather the Cardinals win, but if the Cubs win, I'll look like a genius." So, <laughs> so that's still that's still active as we record
0: this. Havoline goes into cars.
1: Isn't that that's the is, isn't that just uh, like oil or something?
0: Yeah, it's 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 some kind of thing
1: but yeah i I was struck that the, that there's still sort of a gas station there's like the, a robot gas station and all of that and i was a little surprised that they hadn't like made them nuclear cars or electric cars or something so like that
0: the way i take this is it's alternative fuel uh oh. and so i give it a tick because we now have electric so we'll you know a, a half yeah. tick all right bionic implants is another one yeah um we i, we, I don't think we have those
1: well, we have lot. We have lots of you know. We have people with cochlear ear implants, and they're working on like artificial retinas, and there are people with very sophisticated okay. prostheses and things like that. They don't have like because with Biff, it's like his he's got bionic imp- or or Griff or whatever. His bionic <laughs> implants are on the on the Fritz, and he's like yeah, he's like a cyborg practically, and it
0: seems normal. Hoverboards, hoverboards. So there is a thing called hoverboards now, but yes. it's not the same thing. No. It's just a smart marketing thing, I suppose. Yes, yeah, it's the right time if you're going to have a product. Call it lava yeah. board. We do It's have, kind of interesting, but you know,
1: flying cars and floating skateboards are not things that we have.
0: Video games that you don't control with your hands—that's all we yeah. know. But it's what the kids yeah. mention.
1: I I love that scene where there's the, they're in the 80s diner, which I have to say, actually, I think they nailed. There's there's an article I read this week that said that uh that uh, they they knew even when they were making the first movie they knew they were making a bit of 80s nostalgia that that Back to the Future is itself very 80s aggressively 80s in a way that uh, you wouldn't do if you were trying to make it sort of a little more timeless but that they knew that since the movie was about looking at the 50s with nostalgia that making the 80s be heightened was actually a good idea because then you, you get the contrast and I think as time goes on it also becomes about you know about 80s uh styles and and it becomes its own period piece and I thought that was interesting they nail in Back to the Future 2 they nail the 80s diner like yeah there there's stuff that's not in there Um that that uh but like the sign is very eighties, it's like I think they did from the even from from the perspective of nineteen eighty nine they did a pretty good job of saying this is really eighties, and one of the things in there is a video game thing where Marty plays it, and it's it's a it's a shooter thing, which is totally a preview for back to the future part three, which there are several of in this in this uh to set that up, but uh, the kids are disgusted that you have to uh hmm. like hold the controls and stuff, which is very you know connect and stuff like that that that's uh i think that's a good one
0: and the last one that that i wanted to point out was when and this comes up later in the movie as well when the clock tower guy approaches marty and asks him to donate money to the to save the clock tower he yeah. has a tablet like device in his hand with a fingerprint reader on it to yeah. to debit the money it's apple pay is what i'm going to go with there yeah
1: it, it's apple pay except that he's got his own terminal instead of um instead of like a personal like marty's uh, yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Or or something that a person would tap instead. It's just put your thumb on it, which so it's not not close, uh, not quite, but but close. The the cab is the other one. The cab when Biff gets uh, a cab ride to Marty's house. Um, is that it? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. They, and and it's like one hundred and thirty dollars or something is the cab fare because that's the running gag of everything's being it, it, all the inflation that's happened, which didn't happen actually. Um, but the the cab driver has essentially it's like a wireless uh, pay terminal like you like you used to see and still sometimes see in cabs. I mean, a lot of them have them built in now, but uh, or they use smartphones. But that that's a totally like that's the technology. The only difference mm-hmm. is that he thumbs. price instead of like uh, again tapping a smartphone or or running a card they did a good job with that
0: they did and I mean I love all of I love everything about this scene I, I love it all um, what they
1: what they don't what they don't get get is uh is uh, like computers and the internet yeah.
0: or smartphones or any, nothing. Yeah, well, nothing. that's exactly
1: it. Smartphones, or the internet. There's still the thing that another thing that made me cackle throughout this movie is its reliance on the newspaper. Although to be fair, USA Today is still being published. Yeah. And if you're in a one of our fine American hotel rooms, you may receive the USA Today at your door whether you want it or not. Um. So so there is a 2015 USA Today edition. Uh, I wonder if they'll have a special logo on Wednesday. I
0: hope they do. Just a, just a wrap. <laughs> they just do like a wrap around the paper. That would be really cool if they did. But that,
1: uh, that would be that would be funny. But Universal it, it is- should pay for that. But there, there are uh, there are newspapers uh, as information sources, and it, it's a motif. You know, they needed in the fifties too. But it's just kind of funny that that's the thing. Just like we joke about this on uh, on the incomparable. We were talking about the Flash TV show and how one of the plot points in the first episode of the Flash. So I'm not really spoiling anything. It's in the very first episode. But there's a new. There's basically a newspaper from the future um and i could tell that they really wanted it to be a newspaper front page but the producers knew it and it's supposed to be from like 2025 or something and the producers were like this kind of can't be a newspaper can it so it's like a web page from the future it's like a newspaper mm-hmm. site from the future which i'm not sure that how that would work like does the html change when the time sh- timeline shifts i don't know how that works how far in the future I think it's ten years in the future. Is I still the, is, say you could go in with the newspapers. You could still buy yeah, newspapers. Yeah, but it's just it's. They, I think, that, but they they like hedged it. It looks kind of like a newspaper, but it also looks sort of digital. And it's that same thing. So anyway, there are newspapers used throughout, and the information technology kind of revolution is the thing that that uh, most sci-fi stuff trying to project our future uh, didn't see. Although I did. So when the when Biff and his crew come in and are harassing Marty Junior and Marty, and then later when they're having the hoverboard chase and all of that i did turn to my daughter who is 14 and say wow teenagers in 2015 are awful
0: and she was like yep Mm -hmm." (laughs) (laughs) my main annoyance with the first act of this movie is the exposition um like for example when biff is telling marty who Who biff believes to be marty mcfly marty junior Marty's yeah. kid about the fact that you know your dad Marty Mcfly senior, who flushed his life down the toilet like oh yeah, every character has explained to them what their parents are like, and like later on when they're in the Mcfly home, and um Lorraine is explaining to Marty's daughter uh about the fact that you know you know you remember as as you know
1: (laughs) as you know already Uh, daughter your father had this history and oh on that day when he had that accident and he broke his hand and that really changed the you know this is i mean people call this the as you know bob phenomenon right which is like dialogue that is just a clunker because it's exposition yeah you're telling somebody who already knows things that they that they don't need to hear because the audience needs to hear it and uh, yeah there's all there's a whole lot of that in in because they're doing all the Look, I, I, I like their projections of the future. I think that's, I think that's fun. Even though I don't love the, the beginning of this movie, I think that that part is fun, but it becomes very clear. I think when you step back a little bit that the first, like 40 minutes of this movie is really dedicated to, um, putting all the pieces in place so that they can go back and play with the original movie. And, um, And you know when they get to that point, it's kind of great, (laughs) but they got to do it. They do a lot of work to get it set up first, and it's not as fun to watch that the setup as it is to watch it pay off.
0: They got to do it, and I think they do it the best way that they can. But it is kind of annoying. Like they try. You can see they're trying hard, like to set it up so they can deliver the exposition. But they're trying really hard. Yeah, but there's there's no way around it. If you're gonna do it, you just got to do it. This scene, so this is in the Café 80s scene when this exposition begins, but this is also when another long-running theme in this movie begins, which I think is great. They do a really, really good job with the special effects to show the same actor in the same scene twice. While watching this this movie, there is no scenario where it doesn't look real to me.
1: No, I mean, you can tell that it's locked down camera and all those things, but Robert Zemeckis, I mean, if there's one thing that is all part of Robert Zemeckis' career, it is trying to creatively use technology. And, and you know, we can argue that Zemeckis um, sometimes seems to uh, make movies because he wants to use the, the technology rather than using them to solve solve problems. Like but, Polar
0: Express, for example.
1: Well, well, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, And, and when, you know, like there's a scene in, uh, Contact where, well, and Forrest Gump is the biggest example. He followed these movies with Forrest Gump, which, where they put Tom Hanks into historical footage, right? Mm -hmm. And, and that was, that was, that was what that movie was. This movie is all about split screen, um, Multiple actors or same actor playing different roles, yep. and there's a scene with Biff, old Biff and young Biff in a car where where the camera is panning and they're handing things back to each other, and yeah. you can tell it's like on one level it's really showy, like look, I handed this book to him, where you're like you're showing off. On another level, it's like how did he hand that book to him, and that and 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 it makes it seem more real at the same time as yeah. it's sort of calling out that it's being clever, but. um but anyway, in contact, he did something similar where he's like panning through glass that isn't there anymore, or through a mirror and stuff like that. He does this in his movies, but it's very impressive here.
0: And then when you talk about the different actors, Michael J. Fox, his performance as the other members of his family is incredible. Like when he plays Marty McFly Jr., it's it's like a different person. I I find anyway that I can watch this and I know who is who. Just by the way that they act i think oh, yeah. he does a great job of it yeah yeah i mean
1: they're 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 very brief um and it's got a little of a gimmicky feel like it's you know the clumps or something like that i don't know he's yeah. like he'll play every part but uh it's it's a it's a gag and it's obviously him but but they're they're differentiated i mean they're very broad characters this is i mean one of the problems i have with this this uh future stuff is that it's it's so it's so broad all of it is so broad. Marty Senior is a loser, and Marty Junior is an idiot, and um, y- you know it is, it, it is, it is what it is. But uh, and every but- time I watch
0: this movie, I always forget, and always take great joy in Marlene McFly, so Marty's yep. daughter. I always mm-hmm. forget that Michael J. Fox dresses up as a young girl in this yeah. movie and mm-hmm. every single time it just I just burst into into laughter because he mm. does it's so funny like just the way that he like she like saunters down the stairs and looks around mm-hmm. like when they go to the home later on it just it gets me every time I love it but before we leave uh, the the clock tower area yeah. um, I do love about this movie that it throughout that they reenact scenes from the first movie so like they reenact the chase yes. And, and you know, like later at the end of the movie, they reenact the manure going into Biff's car. Uh-huh. I love that. I think this is why i was saying like it's the most sequely sequel.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, this, the, the hoverboard chase is a is a yeah. reenactment. He exactly right down to grabbing the, you know, grabbing the back bumper uh-huh. of a floating car in this case. Right. And then
0: Biff says there's something like so this is old Biff, right? Who was uh-huh. Biff back in, you know, back in the past. It's the, the older guy. There's something very familiar about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is great. It's yes, it's great. I agree. I agree. Um oh, here's a future thing. The McFly house is controlled uh with fingerprint entry and voice to turn on the lights. It's HomeKit, Jason.
1: Yeah, and and we hear a uh, computer voice a lot for voice interaction, but it sounds like uh Stephen Hawking's uh voice instead of uh like uh, Siri or something like that. But yep. it is there's voice there's voice control, although I did laugh that they have a smart door but it has no doorknob. Which is, uh, it's funny because, you know, it makes it more futuristic. But really, no doorknob. Why Why do you need a doorknob?
0: But I mean, they do that so Jennifer anyway. can't escape, right? That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why that's there. And obviously fax machines. Yes, the fax machines are hilarious. Marty is oh, well. fired by fax and it uh-huh. arrives all over the house, which is just uh-huh. so funny. Um, And then we get into, so, you know, at this point, we, we're, let's just go, we, we're back in 85 now right so they've done everything they need in 2015 we go back to 85
1: right but it turns out that biff has changed the timeline so they go back to a dark uh terrible dystopian 1985 marty can't believe it's 1985 but it is
0: this is the bit of the movie that over time has tainted the way that i feel about back to the future 2 yeah it's too dark it, it
1: it's it's way too dark it goes on way too long Uh, it's really unpleasant I mean they're setting up the stakes of oh my god I can't believe it but it goes it is so dark and it is so long and this is a movie where we're supposed to be having fun and like I get it. all all it really should be is like oh no they changed it things are wrong Biff's in charge now Um,
0: my dad is dead I gotta go back it, like, it, it yeah, does there, not. There are elements need, which they like, can do, and it's fine. But the fact that there like, are kids driving around shooting everyone, you know, yeah, like, that's and, not and the,
1: needed. The whole town is a wasteland, and and Marty's. I mean, Marty's mom is a recurring motif in these movies, and so to see her with the plastic surgery and all of that, but it goes on so long, and there's that painful like argument where she completely. Uh, you know, basically Biff says, but I I won't pay money to your kids and they'll be destitute. And she says, okay, well I'll stay. And it's your problem where it's, this is like horrible, abusive relationship. And it's Mm -hmm. like, guys, yeah. Okay. But, but it, this is supposed to be a fun movie and it's, it's not fun. I, that, that whole, that I, I agree with you. I think that is the worst, the worst segment of this movie. It didn't need to be this. Once the timeline is messed up and, and Biff messed it up to benefit himself. That's all we need really. I think yeah. there are still set, some good go parts
0: in, in this like, act. This, I guess this is the second act, right? Yeah. But there are still some good parts in it, but the overall feeling of it um, is it's not. It's icky. Yeah. Like, it's icky. you know, this is where we get the alt- alternate 1985 explanation, which I love. I love that scene. Um, and I liked the yes. kind of the chase, right? So once um, Marty is on to Biff, like I like that part, right? So when he's there, they're having that confrontation in the right. room. Right. And then oh, yeah, they but, chase yeah. he chases him up to the roof and then he jumps off the roof and he's on the DeLorean. Yeah. Like, I, I, like I feel like that bit.
1: could have been the whole thing was yeah. was Marty uh and Doc come and Doc's gotta go check out his house and Marty sees that that Biff is in charge, confronts Biff um, Biff's like oh geez, they warned me you would be coming and he sees his mom and it's all horrible and they go, to, he goes to the roof and Doc picks him up because Doc's found out that yeah. his timeline has changed too and they go to the past. It could have been I think it could have been a lot shorter and a lot less unpleasant because it's, it's yeah. really unpleasant and I get that they're trying to make them have reasons why they have to go and change the past to be right although really just changing it back to being right is reason enough but to have us all have to squirm Oh because your dad's dead Yeah because your dad's dead because Biff's in charge and he's awful, right? I mean, that's all it really takes. And uh, yeah, it's kind of unpleasant. But you know what the good thing about this se- this segment is? When it ends, this movie just goes into hyperdrive. Yeah. Once, once they get to the 50s, this is fantastic. This is my favorite. I would say this is my favorite segment of the Back to the Future franchise is when they're playing around inside of the first yeah. movie because i love yep. the first movie and and this is what they've been setting up and boy it pays off even yeah. without crispin glover so they have to use his footage from the the first movie i think that really works because they seamlessly blend kind of the footage from the first movie with the second in a way that that first scene didn't and so the and the whole rest of the story takes place during the other yeah. movie how genius great is that
0: it is genius and it's something that so many like cartoons and stuff have tried to 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 touch on since right and you, you know you've seen different like yeah, ways that this has been done there have
1: been other takes doctor who has done a little bit yep. of this but not but this is just to take an iconic film and with many of the same actors a few years later because they know it's already iconic go back because it's a time travel story and be oh. able to mess with it. I mean it is a it is a rare kind of thing to be able to do this and and they, they do it. For all my complaints about the first part of this movie, this part is just it's so delightful. Yeah.
0: It it's I love it. I think it's it's just spectacular. It's like, so great. You know, when I when I talk about the technical achievement, this is it. Like yeah. th- and the editing and all of the work that must have gone in to do this, it's Really, really, really superb. Yeah, the sound, um, and it, you've got yep.
1: you've got snatches of dialogue from the previous movie happening in the background. There's that scene where Marty is in the principal's office and he hears the you know, "Hey, you get your damn hands off her" from Crispin Clover yeah. Glover from the first movie ha- happening outside, and he turns around. There's a moment where Marty sees himself and he's like, "Whoa, this is so you know." And 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 Doc has the interaction where he hands the wrench to or the screwdriver to <laughs> or the wrench to himself. Yeah. Um. And and it's just. Ah, uh, that's all. That's all. Just great stuff.
0: Yeah, and I do love the the scene in the in the principal's office. That's just a good scene, right? Where Marty's mm-hmm. trying to hide and he gets his hand crushed and has to mm-hmm. like silently scream. Yeah. Um. And yeah. And, and then you know the pun- that punching scene is outside of the window. It's woven back in so well.
1: Yeah, he goes over the uh the the top of the stage when he's playing Johnny B. Good. Um. The uh, you know yeah I mean literally he's crawling through the film yeah. as we go. It's amazing. It's, fantastic
0: and then they have a, a hoverboard and car chase again right which is right. the final a uh, great final action set piece which ends in biff uh going into manure more right? manure more manure and of like course. you know this is why i wrote down the most sequelly sequel ever and i just and, think it's perfect and so for that. and
1: you've got the chance to do the uh, time travel movie what what do you and again i'm going to come back to doctor who because the 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 run the current era of Doctor Who um, with Stephen Moffat in charge. He's a very smart man who's been working in TV for a long time and he's been a lifelong Doctor Who fan. And he has, he has told it's obvious he had a list that he built up over over his lifetime of stories you could tell with time travel, all the different ways that time travel could be involved. And historically, Doctor Who was sort of, you take the time machine somewhere and have an adventure. But with Stephen Moffat, it's been adventures where the time machine is a part of the action. And I think about that because that's what happens in Back to the Future 2. And at the end, it's, very, it's a super clever, great cliffhanger kind of moment that could only happen in a time travel franchise, which is... Um, the 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 DeLorean gets hit by lightning and disappears and marty is stranded in the 50s and you wonder oh my god what's going to happen what happened to doc and a car drives up and a guy gets out and he gives him a letter and he says we've had this letter for 70 years i'm from western union and it's a letter from doc from the old west yeah. that's been waiting for him for 70 years they said they they said you would be here there's actually an episode of doctor who that's just like this they said you would be here we had a bet about it and it's and and Doc's in the past. And but it doesn't change the cliffhanger, which is what happens now. And so he goes and 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 then we get our final little so that's a great little wrinkle. And then we get the final little moment where we play with the first movie, which is they go back Marty goes back to the future at the end of the first movie. Doc is there to help when the lightning hits the clock tower, the 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 fire trails are on the street, Doc is like, Yes, I've sent Marty back to the future, and immediately Marty appears and goes, Doc, I need your help. And he goes, Gah! so great there's only one man who can help me now and and it's great scott right great, great scott and that's passes right. out great scott and he passes out but but it's such a moment of like how I don't even know how you solve this and the answer is you go talk to doc um and that means that we end the movie um even though we've set up the the sequel uh, the second sequel uh we end the movie doing what the movie did best which is play with something that we know very well from the first movie which is that we've never seen doc's perspective on what happens when marty goes back to the future right because we just go back with marty and now we get to see it and it turns out what happens next to doc is marty from the future confronts him <laughs> that's great so great
0: but the other thing that i don't like is how much of the third movie they show at the end like they spoil the entire movie yeah by yeah. showing well, what's they, coming up next so it was unprecedented essentially to
1: shoot uh these two sequels simultaneously Um, and now they do that all the time. I was just reading an article about the hunger games, you know, the, the Mm -hmm. Mockingjay part one and two was all shot together and then released as two movies. Well, that's what they did with back to the future. And as a result, they had both scripts. They seeded it with, um, all these hints about what was coming, but I think they were worried that people were going to be angry that it ends on a cliffhanger, even though I think it's really fulfilling as a film, but um, it ends on a cliffhanger and they wanted to show people what they were going to do next just so that they, I mean, there's no dialogue, but they show a whole lot of stuff that's old Westy. Uh, yeah. In hindsight, it could be less and give away less. Um, but uh, they, I think they were really worried and the studio was really worried about how people were going to go out of the theater? Are they going to give good word of mouth about this movie if there's no promise? You know, if it ends on a cliffhanger, so they wanted to give everybody like a glimpse of what the third movie would be like.
0: Yeah, and I'm not. I don't. It doesn't bother me that they did it. It's just how much they show. They show too much of the stuff that ends up being the cliffhanger. Like, you know, they they kind of end up showing that there's like a way out for them. It it ruins the yeah. movie. That you know. Yeah. Um, but. I mean, it's, I, it's unfortunate i haven't seen back to the future part three in a while i, I need to go and watch that
1: yeah i'm uh, we're gonna we're gonna watch that too that that one was shot in my hometown oh really yeah Look yeah the, that that, that the, the, the the train in back to the future three is the sierra railroad um and uh which is jamestown california which is about four miles from where i grew up and uh five it's not a lot very short distance it's in the sonora area and they uh they built all that the old west set. it burned down like 15 years ago or something like that but they built that old west set out there because there's a, a little portion of uh of the uh the grasslands out there where the train runs by and it's not really visible from the highway and there there are no there are basically no structures visible so it's a really good double for the old west so they oh, shot it they shot it there and the whole cast and crew were in town for a couple of weeks and then they shot a bunch of other like westerns on it until it burned down they, they it was used uh, again and again as a as an old west set because they had it
0: so i want to sum up and say that i continue to love this movie still one of my favorites uh, every time i see it uh, i just continue to love it um i this would be my favorite if it wasn't for that if if oh. if the uh alternate 1985 wasn't so dystopian um, that is something that really ruins it for me because it puts too much stress in a fun movie, um, and and it wasn't. I didn't realize this until I watched it recently with Edina. It was her first time seeing it, and she said she just didn't like the movie at all because of that, uh, because it it really brought her down. And and I hadn't seen it from that perspective before, um, and and it might be why when I was younger I always forgot that that scene was in the movie. Maybe I was like uh-huh. blanking it out or something. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think... Other than that, I actually do consider this to be a perfect movie. Uh, there is so much about it that I love in um, what I love about movies. I just think it does such a great job and I'm really happy that we covered it today. Yeah, and I yeah. encourage everyone to, if they... If listened to this obviously i would expect a massive amount of people that are listening to this have seen this movie go and watch it again it's the right time to do it
1: yeah it is and i what i would just say is um i think half of this movie is is incredibly good and half of it i could really live without um and fortunately it's right down the middle um so watch the first part because it's got some amusing things to say about what 30 years ago thought 30 years from then would be since we're living in it the middle part is really dark and unpleasant and then the last part is fantastic and we should also say if you're listening to this on upgrade you should uh, also look if you enjoy us talking about movies you should go to the incomparable.com slash mike m-y-k-e for the mike at the movies feed where you'll find edited together just the movies parts of various relay podcasts where casey and i watch movies with mike so.
0: yep so you can and then you can listen to them in the future and this will appear in that feed in about a month Feels, feels about right. So if you want to catch uh, links for that and everything else we've spoken about in this week's episode, head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 59. If you want to find Jason online, he's at sixcolors.com and at jasnell on Twitter. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you so much to Smile, GoToMeeting, stamps.com, and Linda for supporting this episode. And most importantly, thank you for listening. Watch out for the hoverboards. It is that time. Bye-bye, everybody. Great Scott! I cannot love you more than I love you right now.